In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Ian Wright, 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 and I'm joined by a guest from the States, from New Jersey, Connor Rogers. Are you actually in New Jersey? I am actually in New Jersey. I'm not allowed to go into Manhattan anymore for work, so this is life now. All right, cool. Real quick coronavirus update. So what's that then? You can't go downtown Manhattan anymore? Yeah, you really aren't supposed to go anywhere unless you're food shopping, unless you're going to the pharmacy. Uh, you are definitely, if you're not an essential business, you cannot go to work in this city right now. Will there be shops still open in Manhattan? Uh, they're not supposed to be. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ian, and you're in Chicago. How's it all changed overnight in Chicago? We are still also stay at home and order shelter in place. So unless you're going to the grocery store, uh, actually, I was at Costco yesterday, and we were standing outside in about a 25-minute line for entry. Oh. So it's, it's pretty much the same. They're waiting. Chicago, New York, the big cities in the communal sped right now, they're just, they got everybody worried. So stay at home, binge your Netflix, and study the NFL draft. I think it's for a draft guy, a data entry guy, this has to be perfect. You have all this time to just sit down, watch tape, digest prospects. That is spot on. Well, look, guys, we're not a coronavirus podcast. We are a Browns podcast. And the draft is basically three weeks away, if I'm correct. So, Connor, my first question for you is, what do you see the Browns doing in the draft? Well, I think they got to take a left tackle, guys. I don't think this one's rocket science for me. Now, with the Browns or any team in you know the top 10 here, nothing would surprise me. But I think when you look at it, you go out and you sign Jack Conklin to play right tackle. You want Baker Mayfield to have a bounce back year. You want him to have that breakout year. There's still a hole with this team at left tackle, and the Browns are in a nice driver's seat at 10, I think, where they can capitalize on the run of left tackles here. I mean, you have Jedrick Wills. You have Tristan Wirfs. I think those guys will be gone. But Andrew Thomas and Mekhi Becton, they can easily be there for the Browns, and I think those guys can start from day one, especially Thomas, a real plug-and-play starter for how balanced of a player he is, uh, the production that he's had, or at least the starting experience that he's had. So for the Browns, I, I don't think this one is too creative. I think you get a left tackle, and you're looking at a very good and improved offensive line for Baker Mayfield. And who, and which Brown? Uh, sorry, which player do you think the Browns will take in the draft? Uh, I think Andrew Thomas makes a lot of sense, just because when you look at it, how the board will fall. Now, if somebody like Jedrick Wills falls, that's a really, really good pick. Worfs is not going to fall. The Giants and Cardinals are all over him. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see how this front office values a player like Makai Becton, who tested really well for his size. He's a super high ceiling player, but he has a lot of development, you know, developing to do. When you're coming out of Louisville, not a lot of true pass sets for Makai Becton. So I think you're looking, I think they're looking for a guy that can play from day one at left tackle and at least give you average starter play. And I think the guy that will be there that makes the most sense is Andrew Thomas. You know, I think that's a great point, Connor. My thing that we've talked about here on the podcast is the Browns, with the way this roster is built, have this year and next year to compete under the contracts and to keep Baker on the rookie deal. So you need somebody, most importantly, that's going to be able to start day one at left tackle. That's my biggest fear with Becton because you're right. In the ACC, he didn't get 
the same type of competition someone like Andrew Thomas did in the SEC. But my theory, and this is what I'm sticking to it, is you have all of these teams ahead of the Browns that need offensive tackle. You have the Redskins, you have the Giants, uh, Miami, the Chargers. I know the Redskins need what well, would love Chase Young. He's a Damatha kid. He's from the area. If Miami comes calling and says, hey, we're going to give you – because obviously they need a quarterback. So if they come up and say, you know what, Washington, we're going to give you 18 and the quarterback ransom for that number two pick. Washington drops down. I could feasibly see a run where the Browns miss out on Wurfs. They miss out on Andrew Thomas because somebody like that who's able to go there or even a Becton who's able to go to, say, New York or Washington and develop because they're not in that win-now mode. Yep. Come 10, the Browns may not have an offensive tackle of that caliber left. And maybe, you know, could do you see in a scenario where Andrew Berry says we want to fall back to 15, start looking at Josh Jones? Or do you see them staying true to the board, maybe going best player available at 10? No, I think it's a really good point. You have to be prepared for And This is something I tell Jets fans all the time. There's a chance that one of the tap tackles isn't there. And I like that you brought that up about Becton because I do have him separated from the pack. I don't have him in these big four that we look at it. I, I have him right now at 19 overall and the other guys are all in the top 11 of this so that's a big difference honestly you're talking about developing a player so when you look at it I, I would look to move back in that scenario I think somebody would come up for a wide receiver because everybody's heard the buzz about the New York Jets potentially taking one at 11 the Las Vegas Raiders definitely taking one at 12 the 49ers taking one at 13 so when you're looking at that, I think a team like the Denver Broncos that wants to find that number two for Cortland Sutton and an offense with a young quarterback and Drew Locke, they're a team that would be interested in calling and seeing what the price is. Uh, they have some extra ammo from their trade down last year. So if they want to move up, they could do it. And if you're the Browns, I would definitely entertain that trade back scenario because I still think you'd get a good player at 15. I like that you brought up Josh Jones. I, I think he's another athletic tackle. Needs to get a little stronger in his base right now. But once again, a guy that moves very, very well in the run game and was very reliable at the college level as a pass protector. So for the Browns, then at play at 15, you, you do have somebody like Josh Jones. I don't like Austin Jackson. I know he's been mocked into the top 20. I think that's a big time risk. So when you look at it here, there's a lot of different options on the table. And I think teams like the Browns and the Jets need to be ready to move either up or down depending how the run on the offensive lineman starts to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of funny you mentioned Denver. So I was putting together a mock that we're going to put out for our people. And I actually had Denver, you know, they have the three third round picks. So I have them giving Cleveland a third and a fourth to get ahead of your Jets to get Jerry Judy. Because if all the tackles are off the board, the Jets are going to look wide receiver, which doesn't put them in a bad scenario because that obviously leaves CeeDee Lamb for them. But yeah, I see that being able to pick up an extra third, pick up an extra fourth, drop down to 15 and still be able to get their guy. So, you know, that's my theory and, on that one. And I wouldn't rule out a guy like Henry Ruggs to be the first wide receiver taken just because of the speed element. So it's fascinating to me. You have Judy, you have Lamb, and you have Ruggs. And I'm curious to see if one team moves up just to make sure they get their guy. Connor, if they don't take a um, tackle, what do you see the Browns taking? The door is wide open here. I, I'm curious to see if Isaiah Simmons makes it past the New York Giants. Would the Browns take a chess piece player for their defense like that, that could play safety, linebacker, I mean, inside or outside linebacker. He can cover out in the slot. There's a lot of different things he could do. So I think that's an interesting one. I think something that would blow my mind, but you never can rule it out because the draft is so crazy. You know, what if the ta if they they have intel that the tackle they like isn't going to fall to them 
and they find a trade partner for Odell Beckham and the Browns take a number one wide receiver. I don't think that that's going to happen, but these are things that you have to keep open mind or you keep Odell Beckham and you find a way to move Jarvis Landry and you have a tandem of Odell Beckham and Henry Ruggs, Odell Beckham and Jerry Judy, Odell Beckham and CD Lamb. Those are things that are very, very interesting to me right now where Cleveland at 10 tackle makes the most sense. But like you say, Paul, if somebody's not there, once again, that door is wide open to do so many different things. And you also have somebody like maybe a dark horse pick, I think would be Caleb on chase on from LSU, another pass rusher, but can really do everything at linebacker. He can cover. He's a really good run defender. So, you know, miles Garrett is coming back, but if you're looking to get younger across from him on the edge, I think chase on is somebody that isn't talked about a lot as a top 10 pick, but very much in the eyes of the NFL could be one. Yeah, I think the Browns are in that position where that 10 to 20 range when it comes to the player rankings, you see a lot of the wide receivers, D tackles and corners. I go, so it kind of gives them the ability, you know, I actually uh, think I heard an interview with former uh, Jets GM Mike Tannenbaum who had said, if you trade back, you have to picture the next five picks or the next however many picks being the next five players on your board. So I think the Browns do have that luxury where if they do decide to move back, the guy they may not may necessarily be targeting may still be on the board. But the one thing I do want to talk about, it's not Browns related, but it's draft related. And Browns Twitter loves draft the quarterbacks. You know, obviously we have Joe Burrow and Tua Tagliavola. Do you see Herbert kind of falling in that top range? Or could you see someone like him, Jordan Love, or even Jake Fromm? Where do you kind of see them plugging into the first round? Yeah, I think when you look at it, we know Burrow's going number one overall. I, I think for Tua and Herbert, the two teams that you can mix and match them with are Miami and the Chargers over and over again. I don't think we're going to get anything too creative here unless somebody shocks the world and moves up ahead of those teams to three or four to get one of those quarterbacks. I think the Chargers and Dolphins will explore moving up in this draft to land one of their guys. The guy that probably falls is most likely Jordan Love. I think when you look at Jordan Love, you know, it, it, it seemed like the spot for him for a long time was the Indianapolis Colts because they had Jacoby Brissett there. Love could sit behind him until he's ready to play. They go out and flip the script, and they go out and get themselves a quarterback in Phillip Rivers that's going to be the starter this year with Brissett as the backup. Then you look at the Bucks. The Bucks did the same thing. They go out and get Tom Brady. They don't bring back Jameis Winston, but they go out and get Tom Brady for the next two years. So they're not really in play for quarterback in my eyes. So I think when you look at it, the fall for love has begun. And I'm curious to see how long that can go because you have teams like new England and the saints at 23 and 24 that need their quarterbacks of the future. The saints can develop love, but they also have Taysom Hill there. I'm not buying into Taysom Hill as a franchise quarterback, but once again, I'm curious to see how they view it. So I think the guy that falls out of the top 15 is Jordan love. While it's all the same for burrow Tua. And Justin Herbert here are going as the top six picks. And it feels like a lock that that's going to happen. Yeah, the one thing that I noticed, and, you know, I know you and Matt put together some phenomenal mocks, so thank you for that, is once you get through that top ten, you know, if these teams decide to go with, say, an offensive tackle or even a wide receiver or cornerback, that slide could go pretty quick. Because, like you said, when you – I can't see Jacksonville going with a quarterback. Um, you know, and then you see New England and New Orleans. But – the Colts are sitting there with that second pick of the second round. Yep. So you could see them maybe getting Jordan Love. So if you see either Herbert or Love slide to the back of the first round, I could see Indy jumping up and getting that fifth-year option with the guys and getting them there at the end of the first round. 
And I agree with you. I think the Colts have enough ammo where they can move back into the end of the first round and take a guy like Jordan Love. And I'm also curious to see how these teams, you know, value someone like Jake Fromm, Jacob Easton, and Jalen Hurts, that next tier of quarterbacks. I think Hurts is going to go a little higher than people expect. I think the same could be said for somebody like Fromm. As long as Hurts doesn't end up in the AFC North, especially in Pittsburgh, I think we'll be happy as Browns fans. Yeah, that's, that's the one interesting spot that everybody keeps circling back to for him. Connor, um, in the, in the second and third round, where, who do you think the Browns are going to take? Any uh, positions, you think, or any players? Yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of different ways they can go here. Once again, you know, no more Rashard Higgins, it seems like. So you could look for another wide receiver. This is a very deep class. I think when you look at how the board breaks here, there's going to be a lot of different guys available, whether it's somebody like Lynn Bowden, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, uh, Chase Claypool, who I, would be a little bit redundant, I think, in a sense of usage with how Austin Hooper will be used. And then you look at cornerback. I mean, there's a lot of different names here that they can go on day two. I think Jalen Johnson's a guy that fits their scheme very well. I just don't know how far he goes. Then you have A.J. Terrell, another really, really good scheme fit. Amik Robertson is somebody that is probably the best slot corner in the draft. And so many teams play a base nickel defense now that that slot corner position matters so much. So for the Browns, they've actually done a really nice job with this roster over the year, guys, where – they're sitting there on day two and it feels like they could take the best players available. I would like to see them add, you know, a little bit to corner. I'm sure they're going to look at the safety class very, very intently. So Antoine Winfield Jr. might fall because of injury concerns. That would be a slam dunk for the Browns in round two or three. You have somebody like Ashton Davis who has not been able to test because he's been hurt, did not able to perform in the senior bowl because of those injuries. Uh, He's probably one of the better cover safeties I've seen in a while in the draft. So, I think those are guys that make a lot of sense for Cleveland on the back end of their defense. Yeah, I think those first eight picks of the second round, Browns fans are going to be holding their breath because I think you're going to see some great talent. Some of the guys you just mentioned fall into that second round, and we're going to watch them get plucked off the board pretty quickly there in round two. Um, You know, one of the things that I think a lot of people tend to gravitate to are these quote-unquote sleepers, the draft sleepers that – all of a sudden, then people hear about, they vault up two, three rounds. So right now, who are the guys that you really like as the draft sleepers? I always struggle with this question because I always get, it's hard to, you know, really break down who is a sleeper anymore and who's not. But somebody that I evaluated very late in the process is Logan Wilson, the linebacker from Wyoming. And he's somebody that started for four years, uh, was a very productive and reliable player, a really instinctual player had a very good combine, and once again really gets no love in this off-ball linebacker class. So you look at it, we talk about Isaiah Simmons as a top-10 pick all the time. We talk about Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen as first-rounders all the time. Zach Bond is somebody that is another really good Browns fit. I just think he'll go too early. And then Jordan Brooks and Malik Harrison. Logan Wilson deserves to be in the conversation as a potential top-five, top-six linebacker in this class. He's somebody that it's just going to come in and play right away at a very respectable NFL level. And I think that's hard to find coming out of the college ranks, especially in a year guys where there's not going to be rookie minicamp. There's not going to be OTAs. There's not going to be all these, you know, different off season activities to get these players more ready for training camp. Training camp might start late. So what kind of rookies do you want on your team? Are, Are you a team like the Browns that expects to win this year? You want guys that can play right away with your first two picks in this draft or three picks in this draft. And Wilson's a guy that's probably not going to go till the fourth or fifth round, and I guarantee he's starting 
for whatever team picks him this year, or at a minimum, a very key special teams player. He'd be what me and Jeannie would call the green sticker guy, right? That's exactly, that's the perfect way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're unified on this podcast, the Eric Mangini. Uh, I don't think he took any of your guys on giant bus trips, but I will tell you, I don't think Mangini would even trot the starting linebackers the Browns have right now with Taki Taki, BJ Goodson, and Mac Wilson. I yeah, think, that, uh, that group could use some work. Yeah, and I'll tell any, you this, they, they, can, they can fix a lot of things there on day two of this draft with this linebacker class. Yeah. So sleeper linebackers, write that down, Browns fans. You know, any linebacker from Wyoming is a good friend of ours. So, uh, Connor, what do you uh, see the Browns doing in the rest of the free agent? Any, anything else to see them picking up? I think it's going to be pretty quiet from here on out. There's just not a lot of names out there. I mean, I, I think Rashard Higgins is still out there, and the Browns have made it very clear that that relationship ended. It felt like during the season, for reasons maybe you guys know that I can't figure out. But I, I think when you look at it, the Browns did two things that I really liked in free agency, and the reason I called them you know, one of my winners from it is they came out and they knew what they wanted, and that was to get two pieces that would help Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, critically help Baker Mayfield and they were aggressive about it they didn't let the market you know completely swallow them whole they got Austin Hooper at a deal that was pretty reasonable for a top pass catching tight end they got Jack Conklin on a deal that's very reasonable for a pretty good right tackle especially somebody that can be you know a lead run blocking tackle for their run attack based on Nick Chubb's production so when you look at it, I like that they added those two guys right away they didn't break the bank they can get out of those deals in a couple of years if those guys age ways that, that scare you. But right now they're playing at a good level where you feel good about those two starting spots and those additions to Cleveland. Yeah, I think the Browns, I think Andrew Barry, you know, a lot of people were hesitant to how he was going to approach because, you know, the, the label on him was analytics guy. And I think that scares yeah. a lot of people, you know, anytime you factor in data, oh, heaven forbid. So I even think yesterday adding Adrian Claiborne, you know, the pass rusher out of Iowa gives them some depth. You know, a lot of times people think uh, there was a lot of people out there that made the direct association that that's meant the end of Olivier Vernon. Then the contract comes out and you're like, wow, what a great two-year deal. Yeah, it's a rotational player. Exactly. Gives you that third pass rusher. Because trust me, Paul and I were sitting in the Paul Brown Stadium week 17 watching guys like Brian Cox Jr., Porter Gustin, and these guys try to rush the passer. It was not pretty. Watching one of the lowest graded pass blocking lines in the NFL stonewall the Browns' weak defensive line. Yeah, and I think you got – you know. Obviously, Barry comes from a place now, and I know he was with Cleveland, but comes from a place that's really good at attacking multiple levels of a roster, not just the frontline guys. So I think that's what you're seeing uh, with Barry right now is that somebody that has learned a lot from being in Philadelphia, learned a lot from his NFL career so far, and someone that is going to make this roster a couple layers deep. Yeah, we still have a few big names out there, non-Browns related. You know, you obviously have Everson Griffin, Jadavian Clowney, even Marcel Darius, who's still out there, um, and a few of the quarterbacks. Is there any free agents right now that you're kind of almost pegging to teams and saying, hey, you know, whether it's Flacco, Cam, Jameis, you have all these kind of guys out there. You know, is there anyone that really just kind of logically makes sense? Well, I think Everson Griffin can help a lot of teams that need an edge pass rush. I think when you look at what he can do right now, I mean, he's still an extremely, extremely productive edge pass rusher. So there should be a lot of teams in his market. It's probably a question of where he wants to go play. I think one that actually 
probably makes the most sense to me is Jason Peters going to the Bucks because they still need tackle help. They need veteran tackle help, and Peters is still pass protecting at a high level. And he's somebody that should want to go win a Super Bowl and, and play with Tom Brady for a year. So I think when you look at moves like that, that's one that definitely would have made a ton of sense. And I think when you look at, you know, the higher tier guys like Clowney, going back to Seattle always makes more sense for him. I think I don't know what he's waiting for. Cam is fascinating because it's almost like now we're waiting for one of two things, guys. A team in the draft to miss on their quarterback plans and he goes there or a camp injury to quarterback and then he goes there. So for Cam Newton, you know, the Panthers releasing him very late did not do him any favors as he cannot be a part of any team's quarterback plans for the offseason or immediate plans for the offseason. Um, all right, Connor, I'm going to wrap this up for you. I know you've got to shoot off. Um, what are you going to be doing on draft night yourself this year? Yeah, so we're still doing the Bleacher Report show. It's, it's looking less and less likely that we can go into Manhattan, into our studio, unfortunately, and do our live show on our big desk, our big set and all that stuff. But the production will remain the same. You know, we'll all be videoed in. Uh, me, Matt Miller, hosted by Adam Lefko. Tons of footage of college players, tons of graphics, tons of assets. We'll cover, you know, all the picks, grade all the picks live. Uh, it should be on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. The Bleacher Report app is a place where you can watch it. So if you're looking for live draft coverage, and you can have it on the same time as the TV, guys. You, you don't have to pick one. You have to pick one for volume, but you don't have to pick one to have on. And I like that we're ahead of it and that we're grading the picks on the spot uh, with real-time analysis. Awesome, Connor. Are you coming to London this year? I have to, eventually. When, the, when travel restrictions uh, you know, slow down and things get back on track, I always find my way back to Europe. Excellent. Well, there is one connection you've got with Higgins, actually. Uh, I took Higgins to the same club I took you in London. So there is, there we, uh, there is <laughs> there a little connection there. So uh, I, I love that, dude. That's yeah. great. All right, Connor, if, if people aren't following you, where can they find you? Uh, at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter, at Connor James Rogers on Instagram. Um, you know, tweet at me, message me, whatever you guys want to do. Let's talk some NFL draft. All right, I got two questions. We'll wrap up. We'll let you go. You did the stadium tour in 2018 to 2019. You were in London. You went to the Browns Monday night game against the Jets. What's been your favorite stop so far in the two years on the stadium tour? Uh, Baton Rouge. And before it was cool to like LSU, I said this. So 2018, we went to Baton Rouge uh, for an early afternoon game against Georgia. LSU upset Georgia. And those people were ready for a championship way before they got one. It is not only the nicest football fans, but um, one of the most majestic football places you can ever go to. So you know, Baton Rouge and South Bend are two of my favorite college places that I've been so far. All right. And you'll have to help solve a debate that our other co-hosts, Jack, me, and Paul had. So, Paul, Connor has a very specific non-quarterback jersey policy. So, right now, the Browns have new jerseys coming out in April. No Baker Mayfield in the Connor no. Rogers policy. Uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy that Browns fans need to rush Ooh. out and get the jersey for? Man. I would, I would say Nick Chubb. I now oh. here's my problem with Nick Chubb. You, you can't the running back thing scares you. Because <laughs> he was not a first round running back, so he doesn't have the option. So and he's a guy that has a lot of tread on the tires, as we know, coming out of college. But if I had to pick a player, we had Nick Chubb on stick to football. He's an awesome guy. Uh, you got Browns fans know how great he is. If I had to go with maybe a jersey that would last me a lot longer, 
man, that's going to be tough. I would keep an eye on this year's draft and, and get ahead of the curve, <laughs> what I would say. So, and I would have told you Miles Garrett a while ago, and I, I still don't think Miles Garrett's a bad person, by the way. Uh, I just think that one's going to be hard to pull off in the, in the public eye for a little bit. I don't know if you saw Browns fans in Pittsburgh after that happened. There was a whole lot of (laughs) – I certainly did, which is why I'm not going to recommend that one. All right, Connor, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you in London. Anything we can do to help you, and we will be listening on draft day. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was great talking to you guys. Thanks a lot, Connor. You take care. Go Browns. Later, guys.